Chapter 18 Smart Zealot Jack could see the sky lightning and the day breaking through Magnus's office window. He'd been tied and seated in the same position for three hours. The plastic zip ties were biting into his wrist, his mouth was dry, his ass was sore, and his head still throbbed. He looked over to find Gum seated next to him, beat to shit and positively catatonic. He looked like a man who was watching a continuous loop of his entire shitty life flashing before him. He must have sensed Jack staring at him, temporarily breaking free of his self-induced coma to look at Jack. I'm sorry, Gomes whispered in a dry, scratchy voice. Jack shrugged. Not your fault. Really? Gomes asked like a kid. No, that's sarcasm. It's totally your fault. And you're a fucking idiot, Jack said calmly, as if giving directions to a non-native speaker. Gomes twisted his face and then looked toward the ceiling as if talking to a dead man. It was a thing of beauty. I could have made it work with just a little more time. Shut up, Gene, Jack said flatly. It's not a thing of beauty. It's a toxic Frankenstein you cooked up. Do you even know how hard it was to even create it? To make it work? Who are you to give me shit, Gomes said, snapping out of his self-pity, defending his life's work. I just need a little more time. Jack rolled his eyes. You're a scientific hack. That's why you were kicked out of MIT. You had an interesting idea, but you couldn't control yourself. The fact that you're doing all of this just to prove a point to a scientific community that could give a shit less about you just shows how pathetic you are. Whatever Gomes wanted to say was lodged in his throat and wouldn't come out. His eyes flickered at Jack, who no doubt thought he was delusional beyond any measure and a danger to himself and the world. Gomes was worse than a common criminal. He was a smart zealot with a narcissistic streak a mile wide. Serena caught up with Magnus on the way back to his office, where they found Jack and Gomes still bound and staring uncomfortably at each other. Magnus called Eric from the hallway. Can you and Miss Green take these two out of here for a quick moment and keep an eye on them? I need to make a quick phone call. I'll show you the temporary accommodations for them in a moment, Magnus said. When they left the room, Magnus closed his office door, trying to wrestle a plan of some sort or a story into submission. Anything other than telling Draper the truth. All he was supposed to do was keep Glasser busy for a few days and out of the way. Even by his own admission, it wasn't a difficult assignment. However, he had made a managerial mistake trusting Gomes to babysit. Fucking idiot, Magnus thought. In the organization, managerial mistakes weren't tolerated. Worse than having to explain Glasser's detention was concealing his entrepreneurial virus initiative from Draper. His plans had turned to shit and were now running down the back of his legs. Of course he'd feed Gomes to Draper but he'd have to make sure that Gomes wasn't in a position to contradict Magnus's version of the story. If he played his cards right, maybe he could convince Draper that Gomes was potentially onto an interesting idea and that they should finish it. That meant keeping Gomes and Glasser alive a little longer in the event that Magnus could actually sell the story. He needed the employee garden project to survive, to actually work. He'd been stuck in purgatory within the organization with no upward mobility for years. 
If he couldn't get the project off the ground, then there would be no way his silent partner and organization board member, Glenn Halvers of Agrifuse, would ever back him when he initiated a vote of no confidence against Draper. It was his only leverage. If the project failed, Halvers would have no incentive to keep Magnus's ambitions under wraps. He'd throw Magnus to the wolves in a heartbeat. Even as one of the longest-serving board members, there was no way Halvers would want Draper to think he was anything but loyal. Magnus may not have agreed with Draper's managerial style or course that he had charted for the organization, but he didn't question Draper's ability to command respect through fear and intimidation. If he couldn't get things turned around, he'd be dead. Magnus picked up the phone and called Draper. He laid out the situation in clinical terms, then began laying the blame thoroughly at Gomes' feet. As deftly as he could, he constructed a chocolate mousse out of a pile of shit he'd created, selling the fact that Gomes may have actually had a good idea, and their marijuana operations were the perfect cover. As far as Jack Glasser was concerned, it was unfortunate, but given the imperfect reality of the situation, they could turn lemons into lemonade interrogating him properly to find out how much he knew about the organization and to obtain the algorithm he had created for penetrating the organization's stock maneuvers. Not ideal, but a viable alternative given their options. Magnus felt like he gave the performance of his life, which actually depended on it, and breathed a sigh of relief when Draper said he would take it under advisement. This just might work, he thought. Draper wasted no time calling his girl, which in fact was a fairly accurate description of her considering he thought of her as a daughter. She picked up on the first ring. We've got a problem, he said. You may have a problem, but I've got everything buttoned down. I'm set for the breaking and entering excursion you told me to do tonight, she replied. Magnus dropped the ball, Draper said. He's detained Jack Glasser and appears to have a privateering employee who has been trying to develop some sort of plant blight. Jack discovered it and decided to be a Boy Scout. There was palpable silence on the other end of the line. Draper knew her well, long enough to know she was fuming. He decided to wait her out. She took a deep breath trying to contain her anger. I told you what I would do if you fucked things up, she said. This time it was Draper searching for words. Like parents with headstrong children, sometimes being the boss doesn't mean shit and takes a back seat when trying to avoid a scene. He regained his footing and outlined Magnus's suggestion, keeping the plant virus program intact and indefinitely detaining Jack for interrogation. And you buy that bullshit? she asked, her voice now sharpening. What part? Detaining Jack or continuing a science project with someone who can't be trusted, Draper asked. She paused, knowing full well Draper had thought of all of the options. Won't detaining him set off alarms, she asked. You'd know better than I would, he said. Where's the brother? Have they been in contact? I don't believe so. I haven't picked up anything from the listening devices in their house or office. She paused a moment. But then again, they tend to go their own way a lot of times these days, she said. I've been assured that he hasn't spoken with anyone since he's been at Greenleaf, Draper said. His cell phone's been locked up. Assured by whom? Magnus, she asked. You know what that's worth. 
Suddenly, she became livid again. I need you to do me a favor, Draper continued, not taking the bait. You're shitting me, right? she asked. No, actually, I need Magnus alive a little longer to figure out what he's actually up to. Okay, I'll bite, she said sarcastically. So what are you going to do? Not me, you. Magnus wouldn't have told me this much unless there was a bigger chunk of an iceberg lurking under the water. You still need to get into Glasser's offices, but afterward, I need you to pay a visit to Magnus at the pot farm. If anyone can cut through the bullshit, it's you. You can kill him, but first I need to know what he's really up to. Glasser needs to stay put, but if you can get him to talk, well, all the better too. If not, he needs to permanently go away. In a way that looks like an accident, Draper said. 